Hi, everybody. Gary Lawless here, Vegas Golden Knights insider. The Stanley Cup playoffs continue. We talk about it all on SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave podcast presented by the D Hotel in downtown Las Vegas. And now, here's Dan. Hi, Gary Lawless. This is the SLGND podcast presented by the D Hotel on Fremont Street here in downtown Las Vegas. I'm Dan Duva. Dave Gosher on assignment. Not not here today. D stands for Dan today. Exactly. We don't need to change it. The D stays. It's just Dan instead of Dave. How convenient. Alongside the Sheriff Shane Knighty and Golden Knights insider Gary Lawless, I am Dan Duva. Welcome to the Western Conference Finals edition of SLGND presented by the D Hotel. And we'll kick it off the program today talking all about the Golden Knights. We've moved on to the third round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, a six-game series win against the San Jose Sharks. The opponents in the conference finals to be determined, either the Nashville Predators or the Winnipeg Jets. Those two teams are facing off in game seven of their second round series on Thursday night. Here on this edition of the podcast, a couple of the young prospects will be joined by Cody Glass, Nick Suzuki, and Nick Haig. We'll also have one of our favorites here at the D. Of course, he is the owner of the D, Derek Stevens, standing by. He'll be joining us later in the program and plenty of other topics to chat about here on this third playoff edition of SLGND. So before we get to our uh, our prospects, uh, guys, just looking back at round two, and until games five and six when the Knights won to, to seal the series, no team had won two games in a row. Uh, so, Sheriff, what stands out now as you look back upon the way that the six-game series unfolded against the Sharks? I think the ability to really shake off that double overtime loss. Not only that, then go to the next game in San Jose and to give up the lead late uh, and win it in overtime. To me, that was a pivotal moment in that series for the Golden Knights. They should have won it in double overtime. Or well, overtime when Jalen Marshall so scored, it was disallowed. Eventually, the winner went to San Jose, and then they go back to overtime after having the lead, giving it up in game three, but still find a way. William Carlson, of course, comes through with a huge goal. Um, didn't like their games two through five, or two through four, I should say, two, three, and four. I thought uh, there was pieces of it that were okay, but they really got it together when they needed it. And the biggest part, you go to game six, and he's been the story of it right now. You look at Marc-Andre Fleury, what he's been able to do, a 9-5-1 save percentage right now in playoffs. That first period of game six, to come out of that scoreless, was absolutely huge. All the gold mouse scrambles. He had a little bit of help from the crossbar a few times in that first period. It favored the Golden Knights in period number two as Nate Schmitz went off the post and in. But uh, it was a great series. They found a way to get it done, and that's eventually. So they fought a little bit of adversity. They didn't have their A game all the time, but they still found a way to one win, is which you really need through a long playoff run. You know, I found it interesting. At first, it was Evander Kane who commented and said, Marc-Andre Fleury is not Superman, he's not unbeatable. And then it was Thomas Hurdle a couple days later saying Fleury isn't, uh, isn't perfect, he's not unbeatable. And when I heard both those comments, same thing came to my head both times was he's in their head. He, he's he's if they're talking about him, we know where their focus was. We know where their focus is, and that is uh, uh, the fact that they haven't been able to beat him the way they were able to beat John Gibson in round one when they gave uh, they gave Anna, Anaheim a brooming. So, uh, Flurry was uh, Shane a, a huge part of the story. Four shutouts now through just two rounds. That's you're spotting your team two wins. <laughs> in each series, in a four-game series. And that is, uh, it, it, I can only imagine what that's like for a player, to know that, you know what, if I pinch here and, and everything goes to heck in a handbasket, I got a really good chance, a, nine, a .951% chance of our goalie stopping it. He's got a 9.51 save percentage through two, two, through two rounds. That must free you up incredibly as a defenseman and a forward. Well, it's been a comment we've used over and over, and we've even heard the players talk about it. He gives such a calming influence to the guys in front of him. And, uh, you know, they were able to play with the lead a lot of that series. And when you do, you know, have a guy like Mark andre Fleury. Or, you know, at times, San Jose is going to have a piece of that game. They're going to have you kind of under siege for a bit. And he had them 
there. He had their backs. He's, he's not only their goaltender, he's a huge leader in that room. James Neal's even kind of referred to him in, in, in a nondescript way as their captain. He's a guy that's been in a situation. He has three Stanley Cup rings, so much experience, and, and that goes a long ways, and the guys know that. It, it really is such a, a good feeling to have that to know, as Gary mentioned, that if you make a mistake, because if you play in fear of a mistake, that just snowballs into more and more. But they know if they're going to make one, he's there for them, and he certainly has been all through the first two rounds. I saw a, an article by Pierre Lebrun this morning, and he's talking to Justin Williams about what it's like to play in a game seven. And I think you can kind of extrapolate this throughout the playoffs. Williams says, you'll go to, you go, you're sitting on the bench, and you'll see guys on the other bench that are apprehensive and they just want to get on the ice and get off without making a mistake. They, they you know, they want go out, do whatever they have to do and, and keep the, short, the shift short and then get off and be able to say, whew, they didn't score while I was out there or I didn't take a penalty. And if you play like that, you're not going to make plays. You're not, you're not going to be successful. You have to have confidence and you have to be, you have to be fearless. Scared as death, as, uh, as Craig Ramsey said, when he, uh, when the Tampa Bay Lightning had their run for their Stanley Cup. So, to me, Flurry eliminates the fear in the Golden Knights game. Well, think about it. He's got 14 career shutouts now, four of them in this postseason. And he opened and closed the second round with a shutout win. So what does that tell you about rising to the occasion? And how about rising to the occasion for some of the guys we just talk about the atmosphere and on the bench, players wanting to do too much in a big moment or not trying to make a mistake. How about a few guys who stepped into the lineup that we haven't seen in a while? Oscar Lindbergh, Lucas Biza, who hadn't played since February, and then Ryan Reeves, and how they each stepped in in different kinds of roles but performed almost exactly the way you would hope that they could perform at their best. Gary, how did those guys impact the series? I just want to read you one stat before we leave Flurry because it's, it's amazing. In his last 38 playoff games, Flurry's stats are as follows. 21 and 16 with a 2.11 goals against average and a 932 save percentage with eight shutouts. His 38 career playoff games prior, 18 and 19, 3.11 and an 888 save percentage with three shutouts. He's... This, we're, we're witnessing a renaissance of a player here. Well, it's, a it's the toughest position to play. You're alienated, and you have to have the mental capacity to wipe things away, and sometimes that takes some years to, to grow into experience, and I mentioned experience. You, you can never use that word enough. I know a lot of people like to throw it to the side, but he, he's a guy that just he, he goes in confident immediately. So now back to your question, Dan. Yeah, now that you oh, yeah, totally yeah. destroyed my fantastic segue. Well, you, 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 you jumped too early. <laughs> oh, you had the microphone. We're still, we're still plowing the field. You didn't need to throw the seeds on. But now, but now, you're right here. Lindbergh, Spies, and Reeves, the thing that they did for me was they gave Gerard Gallant a, another look and a burst. He'd played all those players for the first round and, and well into the second round. Game four was when he added Lindbergh and, uh, sorry, game five was when he added Lindbergh and Spiza and then Reeves for game six. Lindbergh came on the ice and had an immediate effect in terms of energy and speed, which was fantastic. Spiza, John Merrill, uh, I have such t uh, respect for him and admiration for the way he battled, but it got to the point where, you know, there were parts of his game that San Jose was trying to pinpoint and trying to target a little bit, and Spiza has that strength. San Jose was doing a great job coming off the goal line and getting to the front of the net. Well, Spiza gets in your way. You're not getting to the front of the net. Well, no, Gerard Glenn mentioned the battle of the blue paint. That was, that was key. That was a reason he didn't like some of their games. Uh, and... Spies is a big, strong guy, played top two, but this really fits the storybook or the mold of the team all season long. This is next man up. It really was. Whoever's ready to go, get in. And I think when you bring a guy like that, you know somebody's coming in hungry. You want to play all season long, but you certainly want to play in playoffs. You want to be that guy. That's you don't get to this level without having that natural competitor built in, ingrained into your, you know, DNA. And no doubt about it, Sheriff, but it's one thing to want to be in the lineup. It's another thing to have only played seven games since the middle of December yeah. and to go in and perform the way that he did 
at, in that first period of his first game since February, he's blocking shots. He's taking guys uh, to the boards. Two-on-one the first shift. <laughs> yeah. He had to defend. Yeah. It was a, a pinch by Colin Miller and a two-on-one, and he broke it up beautifully. But, yeah, all those guys, that Lindbergh, another guy that came in, Ryan Reeves played fantastic. That fourth line, he gave the exact energy they needed for them. So, uh, right now, it's and I think that's good. We always talk all year long, healthy competition, depth. Well, they certainly came in and proved themselves. Now their job when you come into the lineup is to make sure you don't come out. You give the coach every reason that he doesn't have to pull you out of the lineup. And we've seen so often that when the team is doing well, Gerard Gallant isn't going to tweak the lineups. No, for sure. But what he does have now is you got a 20-goal 20 goal, 20 goal man in Tatar, a consistent 20-goal man in Tatar sitting on the bench. You get into the right series and all of a sudden he's a better fit. So you've got some, McPhee used the, the expression the other day, Gerard can have a different, can change the flavor of his lineup uh, with some of these players. Brad Hunt is another guy that, you know what I mean? If you got into a series where you didn't think you needed as much beef, but you needed a little bit more speed and a little bit more puck moving, you could insert him. Uh, Tatar, we already talked about. And Nosek, listen, he's not done. I, I, I would imagine Reeves starts Game one against uh, against Winnipeg or or Nashville, whoever it is. But at some point in time, if you decide, oh, Thomas has had a little while, he's going to be hungry, he's going to be fresh, we're going to come back with him. Depth like that, and listen, they haven't even had any injuries. Uh, Carrier is the only guy that's uh, that's that's nicked that we know of. So having all those options and all those answers, and now all this rest, a really good situation. And one flavor that has not gone out of style is that top line, Carlson and Smith and Marcia. So we'll talk about those guys a little bit more in just a moment. But as mentioned earlier, guys, we've got not one, not two, but three special Golden Knights guests, prospects for the Golden Knights. And they are, of course, Cody Glass, Nick Suzuki and Nick Haig. They are brought to us today by the AT&T Sportsnet Playoff postgame show following the national broadcast of all Vegas Golden Knights games during the 2018 Stanley Cup playoffs. Fans can tune in to AT&T Sportsnet for a live 30-minute postgame show featuring our very own Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, the rest of the crew. The postgame show will provide highlights from the contest along with analysis from the Golden Knights broadcast team and exclusive interviews with Golden Knights players and staff. You can also check out Gerard Gallant's live postgame press conference if time permits. So with that, our first prospect up here on the SLGND podcast presented by the D Hotel is defenseman Nick Haig. How's it going, Nick? Welcome. How are you? It's going good. Thanks for having me. Well, it's it's fantastic for you to, to be joining us. Uh, it's only about 104 degrees here in Las Vegas. <laughs> Getting used to that yet or what? Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I could get used to it, but it's, uh, it's definitely a lot hotter than back home for me. <laughs> I have a little quick little trivia question. You do? Yes. Is it for us or is it for Nick? It's for all of you. <laughs> okay. Who is Max Kaminsky and why is he important to, uh, to this group? Shane? I'll just... Uh... Obviously, you did. Uh, you always write these things, so you, you're, you're setting us up. I'll let you answer it because you're waiting to well, answer. Dan, it. go ahead, Gary. Dan, go ahead, Gary. No, go ahead. You no, ask you a question ahead, so you can answer. Who's it. Max Kaminsky? Uh, Max Kaminsky. It's, uh, it's who my award that I just won uh, in the Ontario Hockey League was named after, and that award's for yeah, the top defenseman. Top of the year. defenseman. Top defenseman in the I National. I didn't know the name of the award. I knew he won it, though. That's the good thing. <laughs> Thirty-five yeah. goals. The first guy. To, uh, to score that many goals in an Ontario Hockey League season since I think uh, 19, uh, 1996. It was a long stretch between guys and uh, you banged in 35. That's a pretty good season. Thank you. What, what was the big difference jumping from 18 goals to 35? You know, your draft year, you get 18, but this year, was it just that confidence and, and was there anything you gained from going to camp? Yeah, I think, you know, being able to experience the first NHL camp, you know, was huge for me going back to Mississauga and uh, I think just you know going into my third year in the OHL and you know having that experience my first two years it's just you know I learned from those and you know I was able to go out there and play in all situations and uh, you know I played on a you know pretty good team this year and you know, with great teammates who you know made my life a lot easier and uh, it's uh, I thought you know the season went pretty well you know for myself and you know that's credit to you know experience I gained here and you know the guys who I was playing with. Well, and I got to say you, you look at you know you're six six two fifteen you, you first guy that's made Gary look small up here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're all friends uh, here, Nick. But, uh, that, that's right. <laughs> Except for me and Shane. <laughs> but that said, you know, you, you think of that, uh, immediately people's like, he's a stay-at-home defenseman, but you have those offensive abilities. Is, is that something you really prided yourself on? 
Yeah, I think that's a part of my game that I just kind of recently found. And uh, I know when I was you know, growing up playing minor hockey, you know, I was always kind of that big stay-at-home defenseman. Yeah. And uh, I think I really only started to kind of contribute on the offensive side of things in my first year in the OHL. And, uh, you know, my first year in the OHL, I scored 14 goals. Uh, my second year, which was my draft year, I scored 18. And, you know, I think I just started to realize uh, that that was a part of the game that I could, you know, you know help contribute in. And uh, it was something that I focused on a little bit. And uh, now I think that's, you know, a big part of my game is being able to contribute at both ends. And uh, I think it's kind of just uh, I found kind of what works for me at, at that level. And, uh, yeah, just you know, I'm hoping I can you know, continue that, you know, at the pro level and uh, kind of identify myself as that kind of player now. Well, Nick, you think about the, the, the junior ranks, the OHL, what it's like in Mississauga, no doubt competitive. Then you get a little crack, a little taste of the American League, the Chicago Wolves. Even though it's only a handful of games, what was that like? Yeah, I think that was you no, know, that was a really cool experience for me. Kind of a, a silver lining to uh, you know being knocked out of the OHL playoffs so early. But you know, I think you know for me that was you know my first taste of professional hockey, and uh, you know that experience that I gained there. I think it's just going to help me a lot. It kind of you know made me realize you know what I need to do you know to get ready for that level you know going into next season because you know I want to you know play my full professional season next year, and uh, you know I think. You know, just being there and, you know, seeing kind of how the guys on the team, you know, handle themselves and act as pros and, you know, how the games are out there and, you know, how everyone's so much faster and stronger. It's, uh, you know, it was really good for me to experience that and, you know, kind of know where I need to get to, you know, to play at that level and contribute at that level. All right, I got one more question before Sheriff and Gary can add in, too. You're playing against some of your Golden Knights teammates in the Ontario Hockey League. We're, you know, we'll be talking with Nick and just uh, the other Nick, Suzuki, in just a moment or two here. Uh, when you're going up against a guy that's, you, well, you're part of the same organization, uh, what's that like? Yeah, it's cool. I think, you know, before, uh, before we were both drafted to the Golden Knights, you know, it, it was kind of just, you know, obviously it's a really good player on the other team. You kind of have to you know, watch out for them when you play against those guys. But, you know, now, you know, we've become good friends, you know, being at camp together and kind of going through this whole experience together. And so now when you play against each other, uh, it's fun. You know, we, we obviously know each other out there, you know, kind of joke around a little bit. But, you know, it's, uh, it's fun to kind of battle uh, out there. And uh, I know we're both pretty competitive. And, you know, I can actually recall uh, one of the games we played this year. It was like right at the end of overtime, and you know, me and Zooks had a pretty heated battle on the ice, and we still <laughs> laugh about it today. So He's not uh, laughing right now. He's <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's fun to play against them, and, uh, you know, it's, it's nice having a familiar face out there, I guess, but, you know, it's definitely pretty cool. Well, what was it like watching the Golden Knights play? I would imagine, you know, you're kind of paying attention as the season went on, and then all of a sudden you're like, holy smokes, the team, I, the team I'm going to play for is they're going to the playoffs, yeah. and then they've won a round, they won another round. What's that like? It's it's pretty incredible. Uh, I don't think anybody expected the Knights to have the season that they did this year. And um, you know, to, to be honest, though, I'm, I'm not really surprised. You know, I was at camp and you know, I kind of saw you know the way everyone worked and you know the, the competitive you know, nature at camp this year. And uh, you know, they I think because of that and you know everyone coming into camp and you know wanting to earn a spot and everyone's kind of battling with each other. I think that you know they, they helped the team bond and. Uh, it's. I think that's exactly why they're having such a great year, and it's been pretty phenomenal to watch. You know what they've done this year, and you know now I'm in a you know kind of cool situation where I'm here, and I get to kind of watch it firsthand. I get to be around the rink with these guys and kind of watch them as they, you know, go try to win a Stanley Cup. And it's that's as every hockey player, that's what you dream of, and it's pretty cool, you know, to kind of see them going through that this year. And, uh, no, it, I'm, I'm happy to be here and it'll be, kind of be a part of it. Yeah, they call it uh, the Black uh, Aces. Sometimes it's the Taxi Squad, but you're part of that now. Yeah, we're, we're going by Taxi Squad. Taxi Squad, okay. You've got this time, and, and it could go into the middle of June. Uh, what do the next several weeks look like if you're here through that period of time and into the summer? What do the next several weeks and months look like for you? Yeah, so I'm going to you know, be here. Uh, I'm not sure when you know, I'm going to be leaving here. You know, hopefully you know, at the end of the season, uh, whenever that may be. But... You know, for me, I'll probably you know, I'll go back home. Uh, I'm going to start training right away. I've already kind of started my summer training here and, and in Chicago. So I'll go home. Uh, I'll probably have you know, a few weeks at home before I'm, you know, I'll be back in Vegas for development camp. And then uh, I'll be here for a week and then uh, go back home again and you know, kind of just you know, keep training. I'll spend some time with friends and family and uh, 
you know, try to you know, relax a little bit and you know, enjoy summer, and then, uh, then before I know it, you know, I'll be back here in September. You're 19 years old, and you're six foot six. Could you possibly be any taller by the time next year's camp begins? <laughs> I'm not sure. I, th I haven't <laughs> grown uh, for quite a while, so I think uh, this is you know, where I'm going to top out. As if six six isn't already enough. <laughs> Nick, thanks very much for stopping by. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's Nick Haig, of course, a lefty shooting defenseman. The Golden Knights drafted him 34th overall. That's very early in the second round. Of course, put up some terrific numbers with Mississauga in his third year in the OHL. And then a handful of games with the Chicago Wolves this year. And uh, six foot six. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's NHL ready right there. That's two of you. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Wow. Boy, you guys are being mean to each other. Holy, where's Gosher? He's usually the, the moderator in all this yes. stuff. Okay, moving right along, we've, we've gone from, from Nick Haig to another Nick, and it's Nick Suzuki. Hi, Nick, how's it going? Good, how are you? Great, thanks for stopping by. And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit there with uh, the other Nick Haig about the Ontario Hockey League, and uh, I couldn't help but notice you're listening to uh, him talk about your, your battles there in the OHL. What was going through your mind? Yeah, we battled for about... Uh, probably 30 seconds, and then at the end of it, I high sick him in the face and got a penalty. <laughs> so that was the outcome of that, uh, but luckily they didn't score. All right. Uh, and with uh, Owen Sound this year, you have 100 points. Uh, what was the season like for you, aside from those battles with Nick A? It was good. Uh, the team had a, a lot of adversity, and uh, we went through some uh, low points, but uh, I think we came out stronger for it. And uh, personally, I think I did well this season, and uh, I just had a fun year in Owen Sound again, and uh, it was a good learning tool for me. When you look at it, and Dan just mentioned 100 points, you've had two 40 goal seasons, 42 this year, 45 the year before. And uh, for you, as you look at you know, kind of growing your game here, what areas? You know, you know you've got the offense. Is it more working on your defensive aspects of the game, or you consider yourself already kind of growing in that all around player? Yeah, I think uh, I've always been an all around player. Um, but obviously, uh, in the next level, uh, defense is first and you have to be strong in that area or you won't play so um, for me it's uh, speed and strength and that's definitely going to help in the D zone. When you watch the Golden Knights all year is there, is there another player you try to mold your game after or now do you have a someone new that you watch maybe this season with the Golden Knights? Uh, I've watched a lot of uh, Patrice Bergeron. It's a good like, one. Yeah that's kind of the guy I like to play like and uh, chose 37 in Owen Sound because of him and um, uh, if I can be anything like him, I think I'd be pretty good. Well, the fans would love to hear that. I'll tell you what, <laughs> having played with him, he doesn't get much better as a person and a player. Nick, do you, do you get to watch much Golden Knights hockey, the time zones? You guys are playing games. Do you get yeah. to watch much of the Knights? Uh, I try to keep up with the highlights in the morning, uh, but usually it's pretty late at night, 10.30. So I, uh, mostly it's just the first period, but... Uh, yeah, I saw a lot of the highlights and every game I could watch, I'd definitely tune in. It's interesting because, you know, you just talk about it, those kinds of plays, whether it's Bergeron or, say, the, the Golden Knights players, like William Carlson leading the league in plus minus. It's not just his points, it's what he does in the defensive zone. That stuff doesn't show up on the highlight clips, but it seems to me that you learn that's part of how the Golden Knights are going to play. Yeah, I think uh, that whole line was... Uh, like probably career high plus uh, so yeah tops uh, in the league yeah and they've been doing it all playoffs too and um, uh, yeah Carlson's just had a great year and uh, you you got to know what it takes to play in both ends when you left last summer let's go back to to the Ontario Hockey League what was in your mind what did you think after being up up close with NHL players in the dressing room in the weight room and on the ice, what was in your mind? This is what I've got to do so that I can be one of these guys. Yeah, I think it's uh, every NHL player's work ethic. Um, you see how much time they put into themselves and uh, getting prepared for practice. Uh, that was a big thing for me. And uh, the workouts that we did together and on the ice, um, you got to see what it takes to get to the next level. And um, I think I learned a lot from the camp. and. Uh, hopefully I can bring some of that experience to the next camp and do even better. When you think about leadership, you've got a general manager in George McPhee, a head coach in Gerard Gallant. What does leadership mean to you as a prospect coming up and looking at some of the veteran players who are with the Knights or even guys at your level? Uh, leadership has always been to me as an example. Um, but when it comes down to it, you know, you got to know when to speak up in the room. and. Um, 
But for me, I try to lead by example on the ice, uh, in the gym, and just uh, being around the room, being a good guy. And I think uh, that's definitely the biggest part. Well, it, it seems to me that can go a long way. And uh, this is the time where you guys get to be around some of your other fellow young prospects. It's got to be a little bit of fun, too, at this time of year, huh? Yeah, it's uh, been a lot of fun to hang out with these guys. Uh, we've been here almost a week and uh, just relaxing by the pool and being around the hotel. Uh, seeing places like this is really cool. I've never been down here, so uh, it's a really cool experience to be here. And not a lot of the guys our age are uh, with their NHL team. No. It's like the <laughs> ultimate summer camp. <laughs> you got to be on the ice at 7, so I would imagine you're up at sort of 5.30 to kind of get over and, and be ready for that. Yeah. And then do you come back and work out in the afternoon, or do you work out right after you skate? Uh, before we were working out uh, right after the skate, but uh, today we changed it up and worked out at 6 o'clock. So uh, it was a bit of a change up, but uh, once your day is done at 8 o'clock, you kind of can do whatever you want. So Yeah, like come in and talk to the broadcasters on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not bad. This is better than hanging around the pool at the Red Rock. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. pretty hot in here, too. <laughs> I'd rather be at the pool. It's... Something I can't disagree with, but of course, we thank our, our wonderful fans who've come out to see us here at the D. And uh, Nick, we thank you for stopping by and, and chatting with us. We appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks a lot. That's Nick Suzuki, Golden Knights. Santa Minda, just 18 years old, of course. He'll uh, be turning 19 in a few months, but drafted in the first round by Vegas back in June, 13th overall in his third year with the Owen Sound Attack in the Ontario Hockey League. And let's go uh, from an OHL guy and out to a, a WHL guy. And here is Cody Glass, who was the very first Golden Knights draft pick, sixth overall back in 2017. And Cody has slid into the SLGND podcast. Cody, welcome. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. How are you? Oh, great. Well, well, thanks for stopping by. You, you heard these OHL guys talking about their league. What makes the WHL the place to go? Uh, if I say anything a little bit on the borderline here, I think they'll chirp me out. I got so, your back. I got uh, your back. I spent a long time in that league. No, it's a, it's a tough league, I'd say. Um, obviously, with the travel schedule, it's a little bit tougher. But um, I think overall, throughout the three leagues, it's uh, pretty much the same skill-wise. And maybe a little bit more hitting in the WHL, but they'll argue with me about that. So, Do you know any guys that played in the WHL has an underager and an overager? Ooh. It's a long time. <laughs> I, I don't, and it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing to do both, uh, but it all worked out in the end. Yeah, I spent a long time on, in the Western Hockey League. Five years, like that's a career. Oh, yeah. It's a nice, nice league to play in. So. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure that you'll be there for five years. Uh, a few years now with Portland, 102 points this year. It's just a, another terrific run for you. What was your season like? Uh, it was a lot of fun. Obviously, we had a good group with Bellows coming in and obviously pretty much having the exact same team. So, um, obviously, our season ended short and it's not what we wanted, but uh, I had a lot of fun. Uh, I was given lots of opportunities to succeed and um, really thankful for what Mike Johnson did for me and it was a lot of fun, like I said. You got opportunities. And I wonder when you go into a new season, not just with potential, but sixth overall draft pick potential, how do you carry that? if you want to call it a burden, that pressure? Um, you just try and forget, but obviously it gives you a lot of confidence going into the year, and um, obviously they picked you for a reason, so you just want to show that you can improve in your game and uh, just keep moving forward and playing hard. So uh, for myself, I just like to play with confidence and uh, just keep it in the back of my mind. I'm that guy who likes to chirp people on the ice. I just try and <laughs> keep to myself, but um, no, it's just, uh, just keeping it simple and everything. We already got two stars. You played in the Western Hockey League and you're a Manitoba boy, so you're, you're, you're already up a couple notches with me, but uh, I'm not just kidding these guys. Um, but knowing that you grew up in Winnipeg and the Jets came back, I'm just going to ask you, did you look to players there? Because you kind of remind me of a player I watched grow that was drafted first ever Winnipeg Jet draft pick, a centerman, and Mark Shifley. Would that be a guy you look to? Uh, I'd like to say so. Obviously, since they came back, I was a huge fan of them, especially my dad, too. So. Um, I like seeing what they're doing in the playoffs right now, but uh, obviously I need to get Vegas through first. So, um, but I think Mark Shifley is a good comparison, I think. And um, obviously he's a really talented player. He plays both ways. And 
Uh, he's a natural goal scorer too, so that's nice to see. How, how big was it for you to kind of get that exhibition game into play here last season, you know, go to your first camp, but play in that game and kind of measure yourself up? Did that give you some confidence heading back to junior? Uh, it's really nice, actually, um, especially going from development camp. That's a little taste of it, but going into training camp and preseason games, um, you're going against guys like Pavelski, Brent Burns, and uh, it's really uh, star... There's a lot of stars on the ice, yeah. and you're first watching them on TV, and now to be on the ice with them, it's a little bit different, but it's nice because you worked all your life to get to that point, and uh, now that you're one step closer, it's a nice little taste of it. And Cody, you got uh, lots of teammates, opponents, people around Portland, family members back home, anything that is about the team that drafted you. The Golden Knights conversation here has been incredible, but when people talk to you about the Golden Knights, what do you talk about? Um... Just how surprised they are. Obviously, it was a hand-picked team, and um, they have a lot of skill. And like I said, with opportunity, um, the guys got picked up in the draft and sort of felt like the guy, the teams didn't want them. But they were given opportunity in Vegas to succeed, and especially like William Carlson goes from six goals to 42 goals. It's nice to see, and especially the way they've developed the players throughout the year, like Shea Theodore and Alex Tuck. It's really nice to see for a player like me trying to make the lineup, obviously. Well, last thing for you, Cody. We've got a couple of weeks here. Uh, Knights could be playing into June. Uh, you know, you've got the rookie camps and all that stuff over this summer. But while you're here now, what's the number one thing that you want to accomplish? Uh, I just want to obviously take it one step at a time. Um, obviously, I'm doing the training and skating and spending time at the hotel with the guys and everything. So um, I'm just trying to work hard, obviously get better, and uh, especially being in a city like Las Vegas, there's a lot to do, and uh, I'm not really bored at, at all. So. Um, but just going to take it one day at a time, enjoy the experience here, and um, obviously when I get back to Winnipeg, it's going to be fun as well. So uh, I'm just going to take it one day at a time. Team building on and off the ice, I suppose. <laughs> no, exactly. I get to spend a lot of time with the guys. There you go. Well, Cody, thanks so much for coming by. I appreciate it, and looking forward to seeing the round here, and enjoy the next several weeks. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, there he is, Cody Glass. Thanks, Cody. Number six overall draft choice. Golden Knights, of course, had a few first-round picks, but Cody was the very first. And uh, with the Portland Winterhawks in the WHL, 102 points. And so, coming to you from Fremont Street, outside in beautiful 104-degree weather, Dan Duva here with Gary Lawless, the Sheriff Shane Knighty, and we welcome our guest of the day. He is, of course, the owner of the D. Derek Stevens. Derek, as our guest of the day, is uh, brought to us by Rock Creek Cattle Company, a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. It's a working cattle ranch sitting on 28,000 acres of land, and they've got a little something for everybody, including a world-class golf course, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana, exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities available now. More information at rockcreekcattlecompany.com. And so, we welcome in... Mr. Derek Stevens. How's it going, Derek? It's all good. How's it going, guys? Great. Good to have you again. It's been so much fun, and we just keep on coming back. The Golden Knights are doing well for us because the longer they play, the more often we get to come back here and chat with you. That's right. That's right. What a run this has been. My God, go to the Western Conference Finals. Who'd have thought? You know, it's funny because the three of us are at the games. And then we see the, the video or the photographs from right here at the D and, and the experience that is not only on Fremont Street, but inside the D. Paint the picture. What's it like here during a night's game? I mean, it's, it's really amazing. I mean, you know, we've done, uh, now we're doing these watch parties at, at the downtown Las Vegas Event Center, right right, right behind the D, and uh, the energy inside the uh, Event Center is just amazing. Uh, we have a 72-foot screen, and everybody's coming together and uh, cheering at the same time. It's, it's, it's just an amazing energy. It's the closest thing to being at T-Mobile, in my opinion. It's just, it's just phenomenal. Well, I mean, we've talked about it. It seems every time we talk about the excitement in the city, it was while well, they were leading the Western Conference, then they clinched, they win the Pacific, they went around. It, it just never stops. And, and I've got to ask you this, and we've asked a lot what it's done for the city. It's interesting because I was talking to some people yesterday. They said, you know what, they never really connected. They'd lived here 15 years, but now they feel connected to living to Vegas because when they say they live in Vegas, people say, oh, yeah, the Strip. Now it's they say live in Vegas. They say the conversation is, oh, the Golden Knights. And they say that just gives them a sense of purpose. How is that? How, how does that make you feel? 
Oh, I mean, it's terrific. I mean, whether you're living in Henderson or Summerlin, uh, you know, the, the whole community, North Las Vegas, I, I mean, every everyone in this valley is supportive of the Golden Knights, and it's and it's just so amazing. This is the this is the the, the first team that Vegas really calls their own, and and uh, the community support is 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 uh, is just terrific. And we've talked about it. you jumped on right away when the first pro sports team came. But in your wildest dreams, did you imagine this? You know, I always thought I always thought Vegas was ready for for a professional sports team, but uh, you know, I I never envisioned that the uh, the product both on the ice as well as the product at T-Mobile would be would be as great as it is. I mean, the energy at T-Mobile. I think when I was on the podcast with you before, I I said this is just amazing that by the time the national anthem is about to start, there's nobody in the aisles, and it's not because they're backed up waiting. It's there's the fact that nobody's in the aisles. Vegas is ready to go and it, it creates this unbelievable energy. What's it like for you watching the games at home quietly? Like, let's, let's be honest here. You're a Detroit <laughs> guy. You're a Michigan guy. But have you got the same pulse and feeling in your heart now for this team as you do for your Michigan teams? Oh, I absolutely do. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm from Las Vegas now, and uh, I'll tell you what, uh, this energy, uh, this energy is just so, so unique, that uh, it's, it's something special, no question. So, do you get nervous? Ah, uh, you know, I try to get a few beers down before. To, <laughs> you know, I'm not. We're not allowed to do that. Yeah, you guys are working the whole time. But We're not. I'm Whoops. more. You guys are working though. I mean, I'm I'm more worried about you know sitting on the glass. Now now you know now as the seasons progressed, you learn a little bit. I tried to ice my hand down before I go, so I don't come home with a throbbing in after that. pounding on the glass. I've seen that from between the glass when I did a couple of games. Yeah, Derek, Derek's uh, very very into the games. Let's He's say exuberant. that. Yeah, there, there, there's a there's a lot of energy that's brought to it, and that's great. But <laughs> how are but how do you handle it then when you're not at for the away games? Well, you know, for the away games early in the season, yeah, I'd be watching at home or I'd be watching at Long Bar, and, and you know, we're all excited. We're all, you know, at Long Bar, obviously, you're jumping around. Now with the now with the, all of these watch parties, it's a whole nother it's a whole nother level that we're hitting out here of enthusiasm. You know, so you have uh, obviously you're in the hospitality industry. You're bringing people from all over the world to your hotel, and when you first sort of said to guests. Hey, would you like to go to the hockey game? What was the response then? And now, are they? Is everybody phoning you and saying, "Hey, Derek, I'm coming in. I'm going to spend the weekend." Oh, and by the way, Saturday night, I want to go to the game. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you the progress here. Let's let's go back to the uh, first couple of games, the pregame. You know, we we offered it up to a lot of people to come to come out to the games, and a lot of people. The response was, I would say, the majority of people said, "I've never been to a hockey game before. I, I don't know." But once they went one time to T-Mobile, this was amazing. Hockey fans just boom. First time at T-Mobile, now they're a fan. And then by, you know, you get to the middle of the season and all of a sudden the enthusiasm and these phone calls start picking up. Now you don't get towards the end of the season and playoffs. Now it's ridiculous. Now the, now, now, now the calls are coming in and everybody wants to buy a suite at the hotel and go to the game and all that crazy stuff. I would imagine if you're a roller, and you, you know you you want to come to you want to come to gamble for the weekend, but you phone one place and say, okay, I want to come stay at your hotel, but I need to go to the game. They say no. All right, ding. Next up, and you just call one place after another until the host says, "Yeah, I can take care of you." Right. You know that that's kind of that's kind of the plan. That's kind of what, what yeah, yeah. worked out well. <laughs> You know, there, there are so many people who are into hockey and then got more into it because of this team. A lot of people are brand new to it. And in this community, it's not just about hockey. It's not just about winning. The words that keep coming to my mind, Derek, are civic pride. What do you think civic pride means in how you see this franchise? Well, I mean, I, I think, again, Las Vegas is a city that I think didn't get a, a major league sports team for an extended period of time. And, and I think if you go back, the, the closest thing would have been when UNLV played in the uh, college national basketball championship. But you're going back a couple of decades. 
But that kind of showed, you know, the type of enthusiasm that this community could provide. And then since then, you know, the population is, is, is uh, you know, three times larger than then. And, and so many people come from communities where they had hockey growing up or where they had hockey where they lived. So I think, I think you know, this is one of the things where all the stars kind of aligned. And then, uh, again, I mean, the T-Mobile the Arena is spectacular. The product from T-Mobile from is wonderful. And then, and then obviously, Coach uh, and the team have, have just performed at a level that uh, really no one, no one could have ever predicted. Who do you like in Game 7 between Winnipeg and Nashville? Well, you know, am I allowed to talk about some of the gambling odds out here or not? No, I don't, no we're I, not. I don't think so. Oh, okay. I'm not sure, but let's play it safe and say no. Okay. But you can tell us who you like. Well, I can tell you that I know Nashville's favorite. They're the home, they're the home team, but I think we're kind of rooting for Winnipeg here. Really? Yeah. You'd okay. rather face Winnipeg? I, we, we um, you know, I got half the people would rather face Nashville. The other half would rather rather face Winnipeg. Everybody has a different different perspective on why. Um, but I'd say it's about 50-50 right now. All right. So you, you kind of lean towards Winnipeg. So Winnipeg-Vegas, tell us what happens in that series. Well, I think Vegas wins against either team. So that's why I'm somewhat indifferent. <laughs> It's a good way to be. All right, last thing for you. People ask uh, questions all the time about the team, Derek. I'm not sure if we've asked you this all year. Who's your favorite Golden Knight? Wow. That's a tough one. I mean, all, all these guys that come down, uh, that you know, I, I obviously, I, I favor, you know, there's certain things about hockey that I favor, and I favor the guys that come down and eat at our steakhouse at Andiyama. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to be. Those, I mean, those are some good ones. I mean, uh, I, I, I got a kick out of the fact that, that uh, Alex Tuck has had, had goals after coming having a big, big steak. Uh, you know, so all of a sudden, you know, in the casino business and as a hockey fan, you know, you're a little superstitious, so I'm, I'm a promoter of that. You know, when Eric Call it came down, boom, steak, goal. Okay, it sounds good to me. A steak for Tatar, perhaps. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that meatball. That meatball that is fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Oh. I think we uh, might have to go do that after the, the show here. Nokia. Yeah, the Nokia. There we go. Shane's favorite. Yeah. Well, I like it with the steak. Yeah, the Nokia on the side. Yeah, and the, they got really good spaghetti. It's, yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't think I've had anything I didn't like. So uh, yeah, I'm not, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> now I'm hungry. Thanks, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I love, I, I, I love is, is uh, you know, at, at Long Bar Inside the D, you, we've got hockey fans coming in and out every day. And and even on, on a day like tomorrow night when it's game seven, Nashville, Winnipeg, I know just because it's hockey now, people are coming in just to watch the games and that that's that's something i think that's great for the community and it's great for visitors knowing yeah. that now vegas is is a hockey town yeah it's a great point just walking through the long bar before the podcast today sure there's a couple of daytime baseball games on but there you've got hockey highlights you can't go anywhere around here without seeing hockey on tv it's great yeah okay well uh thanks for doing your part Derek. Appreciate it. Thank you. Just trying to be Good a team stuff. player here. You are. You're, you're not trying. You're succeeding. <laughs> and at a terrific spot here. And thank you again for, for having us here. It's always a pleasure. No, thanks so much for being downtown. Thanks for being at the D. And you guys are doing a great job. Love the podcast. Well, right. thank you. Well, that is Derek Stevens, of course, the owner of the D. We are presented by the D Hotel here on hashtag SLGND. The Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Just sans Dave today. Rolling right along here on SLGND. It's the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Dave is off. I'm Dan. Glad you could join us today. Dave Gosher is on assignment. He'll be back next time, of course. We move right along to the next portion of our program. It's the quiz. And normally we've got Dave Gosher's involvement here, but uh, we'll, we'll just fill in, I suppose, for Dave. We'll guess what he might have said if he were here. But we will start with you today, Gary, because uh, you were victorious on our last episode of the quiz. So if you are Sid the Kid Crosby and you're wondering after losing against the Capitals in round two, what if Flurry was in net? What do you think? Sidney Crosby, at this stage in his career, is about one thing only, and that is winning more Stanley Cups, adding, adding to the trophy case in that, in that regard. So the best goalie in the playoffs right now is Marc-Andre Fleury by, by quite a bit. And Murray was so-so for the Penguins. I am wondering why did we let Marc-Andre Fleury leave? Because like the, the window isn't forever. Fleury had two more years on his contract, and arguably they're still alive if Fleury is there. If I'm Crosby, 
I'm having a serious chat with Jim Rutherford. Why'd we do this? Because to me, it looks like we made a mistake. We, we have a chance to win, and we signed this other guy, and he didn't get it done. And that guy that we let go, he's getting That's it done. That's a boo-boo. So, Sheriff? no wind on him? Absolutely not. You don't live in the world of what-ifs. Sidney Crosby's a professional. Check, it's check. a team. You don't, you don't put everything on one player. I don't think he sits what-if. What if my brother was a girl? He'd be my sister. Uh, right, you don't, you don't live in that it's world. It's, and, and I'll tell you what, I'll, he, he's not one of the ultimate leaders in the game by putting blame on anyone and saying if we had one player difference, we'd be in a different situation. He has the utmost confidence in Matt Murray, and I guarantee when they made that decision with Marc-Andre Fleury, he was consulted on it. So he's got part of that ownership as well. And they made the right decision. Matt Murray's younger. He's got more life for them. Um, it was time for Marc-Andre Fleury. I don't think Sidney Crosby thinks what might have happened if they had him. I think they move on. He understands they didn't have enough. Kessel wasn't there. Malkin injured. Uh, just wasn't their year and it's tough enough to see teams win back to back the odds were against them here to go for three in a row just it just wasn't going to happen and I don't think it would have mattered who they could have brought Dominic Hasek back in his prime that might not have saved them well we could have this argument for an hour because yeah <laughs> I'm going inside the room I'm trying to yeah, think of one player that. a leader a top elite player leader captain that would say, oh, we would have won that if. No, not a chance. You move on. If you live in what if in the world of hockey or in the world of pro sport, you're not going to be a successful player. And I consider Sidney Crosby pretty successful. Yeah, I, we, you're right. We could discuss this all day. I, I'm going to give this light edge to Sheriff here only because you look at the last two cups that were won by the Penguins. Marc-Andre Fleury played basically half of one of those postseason runs. In other words, Murray had been the guy. But he did have the Caps number last yeah, year. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But, but realistically speaking, if Murray got you to two Stanley Cups, he was the guy between the pipes when they won the, the clinching games the last two years. You'd have to believe that in the third year that he ought to be that guy again. All right, on to question two. Uh, despite being a slam dunk for the Jack Adams Award, could it possibly be that Gerard Gallant is underrated sheriff i don't see how that's possible now i believe coming in it, it would absolutely but not now there, there's no chance for for a coach and what gerard has done here for the golden knights this season today an expansion club and change history he really has he's made history with a, with a new club and he did it in the right way i think he was underrated and they may be still underrated in his approach because he approached it right. It wasn't, okay, we're going to play this way so we can be successful. We're going to lock it down. We're going to play defensive. He came and said, we're going to have fun, and we're going to work hard. He put forth the right things for this team to find success. He kept it simple. He kept it very concise, and these guys bought in, and he did it the right way. So if, he was, if he's underrated for anything, I think it's his the way he handles players. I think he's underrated for... Well, I guess it depends on how high you rate him. And I rate him in the top five coaches in the National Hockey League. And that you just don't hear that. When you listen to uh, the national media guys talk about the top end guys, when you hear conversations about who's going to coach Canada at, at the Olympic team, his name isn't in the discussion. It hasn't been previously, and it isn't now, and it should be. And the reason, the other reason for it is he is not a self-promoter. He talks about his staff. When he, got, when, when, yeah. he, when he got nominated for the Jack Adams, I went and interviewed him in his office, and the first thing he said was, this isn't a Gerard Gallant nomination. This is a staff nomination. This is about, and he, and he rings off Tommy Cruz, the video coach. He, he rings off Dave Pryor, the goalie coach, Mike Kelly, Ryan McGill, and Ryan Craig, his, his assistants. Those guys, he said, this is an award for all of us. Well, that's the top guys that you hear mentioned and the guys that are making $5 million a year, you don't hear that from them. They are all... Yeah, well, it's, it's about me. It's, exactly. it's not about the group. And that is why Gerard will remain underrated. He's not a self-promoter. Uh, he's he's under-assuming. Yeah. Uh, well, let's put it this way. Sheriff, is it fair? Because we're looking at kind of two different things. No one's going to say that Gerard Gallant isn't the coach of the year. But then there's that, as Gary outlines there, the bigger picture. If you eliminate the conversation of this, this season, overall, if you were to name the top five coaches in hockey, if you're starting a new franchise... Are you putting Gerard Gallant at the head of that class, or are there other guys? He doesn't want to be. No. He, he, and that, doesn't that whole personality take on the team that we've seen this year? 
Mm -hmm. He's not political when he goes up and talk. It's very to the point. It's nothing fancy. He's going to tell you his feelings. He's going to back his guys up. He's going to give everyone credit. Uh, and that's pretty much the personality of the Golden Knights. Yeah, well, I, I'm with you. I think, Gary, you win that one. That's, that's a good job. What do you think? Fair enough? Oh, yeah. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Gary wins. All right, fine. So now on to question three. So this is the, the tie-breaking question. It's Gary and Shane head-to-head -head yeah. in the octagon. <laughs> okay, here's... We know, we know I lose go. that one. <laughs> Here we go. I, I'm not getting into the octagon with Shane. <laughs> I'm smarter than that. All right, you got uh, some interesting situations happening with the Carolina Hurricanes right now. If you are up for the GM job in Carolina, would you take it? Gary? It's hard to say no to one of those jobs because there are so few of them. But if you're up for that job, you're already an assistant GM with a really good organization. And I, I, I'll, I'll go, I'm, I'm going to say no. And the reason is you can really scar your brand in the wrong situation. And it, like you look at coaches, look at Bruce Cassidy, look at Mike Sullivan, Scott Arneal. Scott Arneal hasn't even got back. Cassidy and Sullivan had to wait a long time before they got a second chance after their first chance at head coaches because it went so badly. You've got to be, you've got to pick the right job where you're going to have an opportunity to succeed so that you don't ruin your resume. And for that reason, I wouldn't take the job. Sheriff? Do we know the salary? Because <laughs> that, that place probably would be below average. It is going to probably be below. And I actually, I just spoke uh, during the last with someone in the in the Carolina Hurricanes uh, organization, and they talked about how it, it is. It's pretty much he, this is a successful businessman in Dundon who's built his organization as a certain way. He's because you don't come that rich without having you know a set parameter on how you think things get to that point. And he puts trust in guys, but he puts it in you earning your way up. So, you know what GM's going to come in. I don't think it's a terrible crew of players they have there. I think there's something there. So, you want to become a general manager. It's just like you want to become an NHL player. You don't want to play in the minors. You don't want to be that seventh defenseman. You want to be in the top six, if not top four or top two. So, you want to climb. So, this is an opportunity for anybody who's been in there. I don't know how you can turn down this chance to be a general manager of a National Hockey League team in the Carolina Hurricanes. And I think... I think this team, and I know Don Waddell's there, but I think right now the pieces are a lot better than what Winnipeg received from Atlanta's franchise. Without question. So yeah. I think there's certain parameters there for success. I think if you get the right guy in there and somebody who's hungry, they've worked a long time, a lot of these assistant general managers they have, and it is tough to leave a successful organization, but this is your chance to run your own show. Of course, Rob, Brendan Moore going in as the head coach of of course, they have not been a playoff team. They won the Stanley Cup in 2006, and it has not been good. And I'll tell you why Sheriff wins this question. If you're going to be a successful manager in the NHL, ought you not have the confidence to think, if I have that job, yeah. I can make it work. I can make it work. And if there's someone who's hesitant about their own abilities, given the situation, well, then maybe they're not suited to be well, a GM. we do know that a bunch of guys did turn it down. Paul, Fitfall, Paul Fenton, Tom Fitzgerald. Paul Fenton's probably going to be named uh, the general manager of the Minnesota Wild. So some guys that are knocking on the door looked at it and said, I'll pass. Yeah, so I now, disagree with you. Sheriff doesn't win. I win. But oh. no, Rod Brindamore now head coach might make them look a little bit different. There you go. All right, so there is the quiz. We've got Razor Fold on deck, and our next segment is brought to you by the Foley Food and Wine Society. Bill and Carol Foley created the society to celebrate three of their greatest passions, world-class wine, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. As a member of the Foley Food and Wine Society, well, you have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals like Gary Lawless, who seek to experience the finer things in life, and they look forward to hosting you during your next visit. Cheers from Bill and Carol. Time for raise or fold, gentlemen. Raise or fold on GM of the Sharks, Doug Wilson, re-signing Evander Kane. Sheriff? Oh, boy, you're giving me that one. Well, I think if he's going to play somewhere and have success, San Jose's the place. So it has to be the right money, the right term, and I think I'd raise on it for, for Doug Wilson. I think Evander Kane, I don't think he's an elite winger, 
I think he's a very good power forward that can be give you 20, possibly 30 goals. I don't think he has the, the vision really to, to take it to that next step. He can be a star player. He's not going to be an elite guy, but he fits in to that play, especially if they bring back Joe Thornton. He, Joe Thornton has already said he wants to be there. Uh, Pavelski, they got the right leadership to manage that type of player. Uh, it's out of the big market kind of spotlight, so... I uh, reluctantly raise. Yeah, I'm going to fold. And, and we just watched this unfold right before our very eyes. Oh, he's injured, Gary. He, he, he's injured, but he's not <laughs> we a... We didn't know. He's not a, a player that raises the level of those around him. He, there are nights when, unquestionably, he dominates. He gets the puck. He takes the puck down the wing. He cuts to the net. He's got that shot. He can do all of those things that, that make him a great individual player but he does not improve the players around him. He doesn't make the team better. And if I'm, if I'm Doug Wilson, I've got some really good pieces there. I want to get over the top. I want to win. He doesn't do it for me. I fold. I think he makes the team better. He doesn't make the players around him better because he certainly made them better down the stretch. Sometimes you think about guys who have a track record of success. He had not made the playoffs until this year in eight pro seasons. You know, it was with Atlanta, Winnipeg, Buffalo. And, you know, you wonder the impact on the room and maybe the leadership there has shown him the light, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. I, I don't think it's about him as a, as a person. It, it, it has nothing no, to do No, it's a player. No, I'm talking about It's about player. his skill set. Shane is right. He doesn't have the vision. He doesn't see the ice. He doesn't distribute the puck. He, 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 he can't adapt his game to, to different situations. He is speed and power and Natural. a shot, but he's, he's, he's got blinders on. Okay, time for the next question. <laughs> this isn't a loaded question at all. <laughs> ready for this? Sheriff? I'm ready. Razor fold on Gary's hat. Gary, let's see the hat. Okay, here's the problem. How can we raise and fold on one hat? If he had a collection, I'm a raising. Collection. <laughs> if he has a collection of those hats, I'm raising. Sure, I'm just starting. To the crowd. I'm just starting. I, I like it. A little fashion forward. Nate Schmidt has it. a hat kind of like that. But I think you got to switch it up. You need like a you know, sombrero or something. A sombrero. <laughs> see, this is everything that sombrero, Sheriff does maybe a cowboy. is calculated well, hey, on how we, can I humiliate Lawless if we in get a Nashville, situation. If we He's get, trying to get me to wear a sombrero. <laughs> If we get Nashville a cowboy hat, we'll put you in one of those. Now you're talking. I'm going to roll into the office on Monday in my sombrero. That'd be great. Tune into the next postgame. But you got to. I like that hat. That's why it'd be great. I love to be entertained. Are are you raising or folding on your own hat? Is this? (laughs) What are you doing, Deuce? I, well, I can't fold on it. I'll, I'll get in trouble. But he's, I love that he even wore a shirt that matched the little band around. Sure. He's, like Gary that. is becoming stylish here. Yeah, I, I think so it's, it's a raise, Dan. It's a raise. Fine. All right. I'll, I'll raise How's on it. How's the wife feel about that? Is she raising on it, Gary? She raised? What, what, what was I, Mrs. I wear it to work. I don't wear it at home. What, did, she, oh. did she raise on the hat? Yeah, she hasn't given me a... I, I wore it out of the house this Luke morning. Warm? She said, you look good, honey, as I walked out of the house. So, you know. She's a good liar. <laughs> as long as she's not using expletives like one Alexander Ovechkin, Ooh. which brings us to our third question on Razor Fold. Swearing during an interview after a game, as Alexander Ovechkin did just a couple of nights ago. It was in a positive way, but yeah. uh, Gary Razor Fold. I'm going to fold, which yeah. is it's, it's tough to do because you want to see the personality and the color from the players. And, uh, you know, and that's Alex Ovechkin was in the moment. But you also have to be respectful of the game. You have to be respectful of the situation and the fact that there are children watching at home and parents don't want their sons and daughters hearing that word. No. So uh, I'm, I'm going to fold. Yeah, I'm going to fold. Bleep yeah. <laughs> I'm all in. <laughs> well, that's just, you know what it is? And you can't, sometimes you just can't tone down that emotion, that intensity, yeah. especially in that situation. This guy, if we're talking Ovechkin, how long has he been waiting for that moment? Like, come yeah. on. He's never been Use to the whatever conference words finals. you need to describe that. Uh, just, have, uh, just have it on a little bit of time delay. Yeah, well, well, that's just it. To me, it's broadcast on national television. Yeah. They've got to have a seven-second delay for such things. And when they play the interview, they did bleep it out, just so you know. But, uh, you know, I, I, again, so long as you know it's not live, yeah. 
that's one thing. But if it, if you know it's live, you might want to stay. I got one more raisin fold if we're done. Okay. Right. Raisin fold on allowing Dave Gosher back onto the podcast. Oh, fold. He's out. His He's name done. is right in the title, though. It's look, look, look listen. Uh, just take the VE. I'll put it in there. We'll be yeah. all right. Sheriff, Sheriff Wallace, Wallace and some, some guy named no, Dan. No, hey, hey, we work together. I, I got I to gotta keep him <laughs> you in. You brought it up. Well, I'm just asking See, you guys. Again, Sheriff trying I'll, to sewer me. I'll play he that throws, part for Dave. He throws the big buzz bait out there under the dock, and like the largemouth bass, I swallow <laughs> it whole. Right? You know? And he, he comes, oh, Dave, I defended you. Well, now it's it up to Wallace Dave. Do the Willie, what is it, Willie Pip? The guy who... Uh, Wally Dave, Pip. Wally Pip. Wally Pip. Wally Pip. You can Wally Pip Dave. Yes. Jeez. Dave is is in Nashville uh, yeah. getting ready to call game seven of the uh, of the Jets Predators contest for uh, Westwood one, one. Yeah. on radio. So that's why he's not here. And you should be careful because your career path, you'll be getting those calls pretty <laughs> soon, too. And oh. you'll be uh, you'll be dumping me and Sheriff. It'll be the lawless Sheriff. And, and that wouldn't be bad thing at all. The Sheriff and Lawless podcast would be, we'd, we'd argue for a whole well, hour. It'd be, it'd be just great. The Sheriff and Lawless, we would really be without any sort of order whatsoever. It would be chaos. Someone would end up in a prison, in a cell at the end of it. <laughs> well, that does just about wrap it up here on SLGND. Golden Knights headed to the Western Conference Finals against an opponent to be determined. We know that the series will begin on the road, either in Nashville or in Winnipeg Saturday. It's a 4 o'clock puck drop on Saturday Pacific time. And there will be a live watch party right across the way here in downtown Las Vegas at the downtown Las Vegas Events Center presented by our friends right here at the D. We thank the D as always for being so hospitable. Great to have Derek Stevens on the program as well, along with Golden Knights prospects Cody Glass, Nick Suzuki, and Nick Haig. We look forward to future episodes of SLGND here at the D as the Stanley Cup playoffs continue. For... The Sheriff Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dave Gosher on assignment. I'm Dan Duva. We'll talk to you next time.